This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. In this week's edition of Tom's Talks, we figured with the 76ers and the Miami Heat in a two-game set, we'd get the perspective of a man from Miami. We touch base with a TV analyst for Fox Sports Sun, the home of the Miami Heat, John Crotty. A Jersey guy who starred in high school in the Garden State before moving on to the University of Virginia, Crotty eventually had an 11-year NBA career. He played with NBA legends and for league coaching royalty. And Crotty has also long established a career in commercial real estate in South Florida. Here's another edition of Tom's Talks with John Crotty. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Talk, and we're joined by uh, John Crotty of the Miami Heat television broadcast and a former Heat player and a longtime NBA player. And, John, thank you so much. We appreciate this. As we speak, we're in between games between the Sixers and the Heat during this uh, mid-January two-game set. And even though both teams didn't have, you know, a lot of its players, quite a game and an entertaining overtime game in the first matchup last night as we speak. Yeah, it really was. Hey, Tom, good to see you. Very exciting game and, uh, you know, really different, obviously. The Heat only having eight available players and, you know, having their two all-stars out um, and the Sixers uh, missing, you know, some some of their quality uh, players and starters as well. Just different lineups, different matchups, rotations all over the board. A very exciting game. Could have gone either way. And uh, obviously with the Sixers uh, pulling it out in overtime. So one of the players from Miami that has excelled, he had a career high in the regular season last night with 34, and certainly shining the bubble was Tyler Hero. And you, know, you came into this league as a young player, but have you ever seen a guy with swagger and the way, he, <laughs> the way he's played in his first season? Yeah, he's special. He's special. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. He only played one year of college at Kentucky, uh, came in, had great confidence, uh, has a really interesting – you know, mix because he's got great confidence when he steps in between the lines, but he's very humble um, off it. I think it's really endeared him to some of the veteran guys on the team and uh, guys like Jimmy Butler in particular and and Bam and Dragic who've, who've taken him in. And, 
um, you know, instead of being sort of the brash guy and then turning guys off, I think he's really done a nice job of playing with, with a great swagger on the court, but being also, you know, humble and wanting to learn and, and really putting the work in as a young player and the older veteran guys, you know, want to see him be successful. So I don't know if you, from your seat, would call it an improbable run, but the Miami Heat made the NBA Finals in the most unusual circumstance last year in the bubble, and that had to be quite a bit of fun for all of you guys down there in South Florida. It really was. I mean, it was a phenomenal run, being a fifth seed in the East to make it to the Finals and, you know, have significant injuries early in that series against the Lakers and still take the Lakers to six games. Um, and, and the way the team did it, I mean, this is a team that, played with incredible unselfishness, um, shared the ball, moved the ball, um, you know, really got hot. And uh, you mentioned Tyler Hero. I think he made maybe one of the great improvements from the end of the, you know, regular season to the restart to the bubble uh, where he played at, at such a high level, um, you know, got better really during the uh, three, four month break that, that uh, everyone experienced due to COVID. And then the team just came together and, and played to win and, and everyone, um, you know, really rose uh, their game up. And uh, it, was, it was really a, a fun group to, to see, uh, you know, play and, and get hot and, and beat teams that, you know, everyone thought were, were going to take care of them. Last thought on the here and now, and then we're going to delve a little bit into your career, but you know, we've all been saying this is going to be an unusual season, and now you have to amend that and say, no, it, it is an unusual season with games being postponed and the uh, the specter of all that is out there with the health and safety protocols and the whatnot. So what do you think so far in terms of the East? Like, you're seeing some teams like Milwaukee. You expect team Brooklyn to rise up. Philadelphia had a great start, obviously, with the Sixers starting 7-1, and one, but Indiana and your club and Atlanta what do you think right now in the East? yeah it's really interesting because there's so many other factors that are kind of you know weighing in other than just you know the typical um you know situation where you see teams you know trying to pull together and get the chemistry you got so many distractions it seems going on you know with COVID and players in and out um you know just our game last night was a great example I mean uh you know every team really seems to be using their two-way players and, and going with the full 17-man rotation because they have to. They need the depth. I mean, guys, um, you know, are, are being counted on. We had we had Gabe Vincent, as an example, as a two-way player, play significant minutes and had a career high last night and, and really helped Miami. I think teams are doing that. And as a result, it's still – it's been choppy. You know, it's hard to tell. There are some teams that are underperforming. You know, I always feel like it's a good rule of thumb, Tom, that, you know, you have to kind of give a team 20 games before you really can evaluate uh, who they are and where they are. And But with early on, with a lot of players in and out um, due to COVID and due to injury and just um, the way the schedules flowed, um, it's, it's kind of hard to tell right now because there's some teams that I think that are better than their record implies. Um, and, and yet, you know, the East overall is no question tougher because there's been more talent um, acquired and um, on teams, uh, you know, like you mentioned. So I'm still kind of scratching my head. Every game is, is uh, you know, a different challenge. Um, and it's like, it's hard to look ahead. You got to, you got to just put, keep your nose down and keep grinding, I think day in and day out and, and just stay competitive. 
after your playing career, you got into broadcasting in Miami and you have a, a parallel career that we'll touch on in commercial real estate, but you've done the shows, you were with Mike Inglis for a number of years on the radio, and now you're on TV with Eric Reed. How has that been in terms of adapting to the role of television? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think you learn uh, something from every aspect um, from the media perspective. Coming in on radio I, with Mike and Inglis, he referenced, was a phenomenal experience for me. I did that for uh, like 11, 12 years. And what you learn, I think, in radio, and you know, is you got to be succinct, and particularly as an analyst. You know, the play-by-play the -play guy is the one describing the action. Obviously, the fans can't see the action. So, um, you know, my, my time to jump in as the analyst is basically when the ball goes in the basket and is being inbounded and walked up the floor to the half-court line, and then i got to get out. So it's a, it's a really quick uh, situation where you got to make sure you make your points and get in and get out. And I think it's great training for television um, where now people can see. Um, I had some studio experience, which gave me um, comfort, you know, more comfort getting on camera and, you know, where to look and have someone in your ear, you know, with an earpiece telling you when you're coming on, when you're going off. And that's a, another skill set to, to learn to be able to think while, you know, someone's yelling in your ear. Um, but the, um, the chemistry with Eric's been amazing. Um, you know, Eric Reed's been our um, broadcaster with the Miami Heat from the very beginning in his 33rd year. And, um, you know, just won an award as the best sports broadcaster in the state of Florida uh, again. Um, and, you know, he, he does a great job. His preparation's amazing. And he, he tees me up well. And, you know, I, I get to do what I love to do, which is describe the how and the why. Um, you know, why something's happening. I think a lot of people love to see the dunk or the jump shot. Um, but I like to see what transpired in order for that person to get open to do that, you know, and um, be able to articulate that for the fan. And then, you know, try to try to teach people the game when I can. Um, and, and that's that's been the real joy for me uh, with the TV medium. So let's go way back and uh, get into the late 80s and then your college career at UVA into the 90s. But you're from like mid to north Jersey that's right. and you go to Brothers Academy and you get recruited by Terry Har Harlan uh, at UVA just in the eight, that's back when the ACC was, you know, the, probably the preeminent basketball conference in the country. And you have a lot of success at Virginia. Tell us about that whole experience. Yeah, it, well, look, I'm, I'm blessed. I still have, you know, look, my parents still live in New Jersey. My sister does. I'm from Monmouth County. So the central part of the state. And, and as you referenced, you know, went to Christian Brothers Academy, which was a, a great basketball powerhouse at the time we were, you know, consistently ranked in the state. And, and when I was there, we were, fortunately we were ranked in the country. So we, we played the best competition. It was a, a real, um, you know, learning ground and testing ground for me and, um, and had the opportunity to be a McDonald's all American and then be highly recruited. And I always envisioned playing in the ACC. My father played at North Carolina and that was impactful to me. I grew up going to that basketball camp and they recruited me. But Virginia was the best fit um, for me from an academic and athletic and social standpoint. It was phenomenal. I, I, you know, love it to this day. My, my children went there, my, my wife there, just a lot of positive, um, you know, vibes. And it's great to see what coach Tony Bennett's done with the program, you know, in the, in the last seven years. Um, and, you know, that I thought, you know, Virginia and coach Holland uh, really prepared me for having a chance to play in the NBA and, 
the competition in the ACC was second to none. Every night you went out, you had to you had to put it out there because there were no easy nights. And you know, you learn to compete and develop. And um, you know, to me, those are those are some great memories for me from you know '87 and 1991. So then, when you get into the NBA, I mean, what a challenge, right, yeah. for you and yeah. You string together this career and you play for Jerry Sloan and down there in Miami with Pat Riley. What was your NBA experience all about? Yeah, it was uh, it was tough for me to get in there. I never anticipated and really thought about playing in the NBA till I was about a junior in college. And and then I saw I had an opportunity. I wound up having to play in a minor league. I came in as a free agent. I had to play in a minor league for a year and then made the Utah Jazz and started my career there for three years. And that was a, you know, it was a, it was tough, but it was a great place to, to break in because they had, you know, excellent role models with John Stockton and Carl Malone and, and ultimately Jeff Hornacek as well. You had um, Jerry Sloan coaching who, you know, was a hall of famer and just phenomenal, um, you know, teacher, but also just a, just a, a, a you know, an example of, of toughness and fairness and, um, but those guys taught you how to be a professional and how to bring it every night, the consistency. And uh, I think that helped set me up. I played for 11 years, seven different teams, really enjoyed playing for Miami in the middle of my career. We were on, a, uh, I was on a great team with Tim Hardaway and Alonzo Mourning and Dan Marley, a team that made it to the Eastern Conference final. Again, we lost to the Bulls who ultimately won the championship, but um, I was able you know, to maintain that connectivity so that when I retired and ultimately moved back here to Miami, I was able to, you know, get an opportunity to broadcast when the, when the opportunity arose. That 97 team spoke of also with PJ Brown, you played 15 playoff games. So you got a lot of experience. You had a role. Uh, yeah. Back in yeah. Way. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. My role was kind of interesting in the NBA and, you know, we all come in being a star from college, but, yeah, you know, my role was really as a backup point guard, but I had the opportunity, which was again probably not great greatest for my opportunity uh, career wise in a play. I I was always backing up all star point guards. You know, um, pretty much every team I was on of the seven, I, I was an all star ahead of me, and uh, so it limits your playing time. But what I did a lot was I would play with that guy and push him to the two. Um, I did it in Seattle, with Gary Payton. I did it in Utah with John Stockton. Um, or I'd play the two and he'd play the one. And then um, in Miami with um, Tim Hardaway uh, a lot. Um, so those were examples where, you know, you're playing with another ball handler, another attacker, another shooter, um, and you have an opportunity to go small and handle the ball. A lot like we're seeing actually today in today's NBA with, you know, maybe a, uh, smaller, active, quicker players, particularly in the front court. You guys in the, you know, in Philly have a, a rare exception, um, with Joel Embiid, who's incredibly skilled, who can play inside and out, you know, with like a, a for a guy his size, the way he's able to impact the game. Um, but it was uh, it was it was a great time to play in the NBA, and um, you know, I had an I had an awesome run over the course of my eleven years. Just uh, for a second, we'll talk about Embiid because we we speak again between these two games between the Sixers and the Heat, and Embiid ended up with 45, 46 points, but he had twenty. Third quarter, he was eight for eight, and seen all over these years. These guys, you know, with the big size and whatnot, but the touch. I mean, the guy he was making threes, falling down, three point plays. Yeah, that was a pretty 
incredible uh, display of finesse and footwork and strength all in one pack. It really was. I mean, look, he's he's an incredible player. I mean, you know, there are times I scratched my head with him. In the first half, he was just looked completely disengaged, had 10 points. I think he was three of seven shooting, something like that. And then he he flips the switch and you see what he can do. He's he's so gifted um and he he just asserted himself he demanded the ball and he scored i want to say five or six straight buckets and you know that's that's a guy to me who um you know if he if he ever figures out how to play that way you know at a higher level throughout the course of the game and with the conditioning um being in top top shape he's unstoppable absolutely unstoppable um there's nobody who can guard someone that big and strong with that type of touch who can step outside or then bully you inside and then he can pass. I mean, he was passing out of double teams. Miami had to double him to try to slow him down. And he's able to find shooters like Danny Green out there, you know, on the perimeter. So, man, he's a load. He's a tough guy to prepare and, and match up for when he's playing at that level. And now back to your days. John, you had a fun thing after making a basket. You did the karate chop. Tell us about that. Oh, no. I just – I mean, so the fans – uh, wouldn't, you know, would engage you and try to get me to do some fun things. But look, I, I always tried to play hard and, and, uh, you know, always love the fact that, uh, you know, people appreciated that in, in, in my game, just someone who was competitive and tried to bring it for their team. And, um, you know, you try to do what you can, uh, you know, to maintain, uh, and have fun with the fans and yet still, still always stay competitive. Right. Yeah. No, you didn't strike me as a guy with the too much player. I was going to say you could get, some inside heat, little high and tight fastball. If we're careful doing the karate chop, but. that's right. That's right. <laughs> Baseball, you get knocked out. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, going to Florida and and being, as you say, you maintained that tie. And and Coach Riley took the fold. That happens when you go down there to work and you get into that heat culture. And you're in a situation now where you forged this whole second career in broadcasting because of that early stint as a pro with the Heat. Yeah, I mean, in the NBA as a whole does a tremendous job. If you take advantage as a player, they have multiple programs where you can take, do internships and try different things. And um, they put you in touch with some incredible people. This is in the offseason. I used to try to spend two weeks every summer, you know, thinking about what I would potentially do when I retired. And you know, one of them that was always of interest was broadcasting. And I was able to be connected with Ted Ballard, who's uh, actually still the senior, um, you know, producer, uh, executive producer for the Miami Heat. And Ted um, set up a uh, internship for me while I was still playing. I came in in the summertime and Eric Reed came in on two days in the summer on his own time. And we actually broadcasted two games together that had previously occurred where they shut the sound off and Eric and I broadcast the games together. So I'm always, I'm always in debt to both Ted and to now my partner, Eric, it's such a small world, how it's come, you know, all the way around. He came in on an off day in the summer to do that, to try to, you know, um, help me. And, and, and ultimately, you know, it was the avenue for me to take, which, which I really enjoyed. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you're on this, this other track professionally where you've been in, commercial real estate for a number of years yeah. in my, I remember a couple Septembers ago or whatever, when we were all together as broadcasters in New York and we were out and it was a beautiful night. Harbor crews were around the, the, the lower part of Manhattan and everybody thought, cool. but meanwhile, 
you're closing a deal on like a mall in Orlando. You're making money. <laughs> a little bit more about that uh, that track because you've really done a great job getting into that and have spent a lot of time in that in that area. Yeah, well, look when I when I first retired, I did not have the broadcasting you know um, opportunity set up. So for the first basically three years I was retired, I was um, you know making a living. Um, I pursued um, a career in real estate looking to basically syndicate deals that I could find and bring in investors. And, um, you know, what really flowed into was a, a position as a broker where I was putting sellers together with buyers and, and um, you know, getting paid commissions when deals sold. And um, it, it's, it's been a, a great run. I've been doing that now for a long time and I'm a, a partner in a, a firm. Um, we do a billion dollars worth of sales a year. We do it throughout the state of Florida. We sell large development deals, office, uh, industrial retail type deals. And, you know, you learn a lot, obviously, through doing these types of transactions and made some great friends and some great connectivity, um, you know, with with um, owners of properties and, and buyers who become your clients. And so, um, you know, that's been a, a, a lot of fun, very rewarding for me has allowed me to, to, to remain in one place uh, as well in, in Miami. And then the broadcasting gig came thereafter. So it's, it's been phenomenal to be able to have, you know, that real estate type type job along with, you know, continuing to pursue my love and my passion for basketball, being a broadcaster and being able to, um, you know, describe things from a player perspective for fans. Well, I know maybe a handful of moguls, but you're my favorite mogul. <laughs> I, I love that title. I don't get called a mogul too often, Tom. Thank you, brother. Let's marry the two things, though, because you so often hear about the discipline and all of the things that made you special successful at college yeah. and the education at UVA. And then, you know, the thrill of the deal, competing to close that mm -hmm. deal. And how all of those things, like the order and the structure and the things you learned as an athlete yeah. and how that plays into a successful business. No, it's a great point. I, it's, I go on different panels, particularly for the Players Association, a lot in the summer where players come in, they're trying to be educated. Uh, they love the idea of investing their money. They want to learn more about real estate. And what I tell them is, first of all, you, you know, you come into that as a, as a player and, and you don't have any experience and it's very intimidating. And um, but there are qualities and traits that you do have as a player that you've developed because to get to that level, you have to. Um, and that's typically a hard work ethic. It's typically a discipline of, you know, getting up and being a stat, you know, getting, having a routine and, and structure in your life and being able to follow through um, on a plan of attack in order to be able to develop your skills. Um, and then I think also, you know, being able to get kicked in the teeth and be able to get back up, right? Be able to be competitive and, and take a hit and come back up. A lot of people don't have the stomach or the toughness to do that. I think that's part of the life of being an athlete. Um, those, are, those are traits and qualities that you can apply to a lot of different things, but particularly a sales gig and, um, you know, particularly in, in real estate that's, that can be, um, you know, challenging. And look, when you're, when you're living where, um, you know, you're only eating when you you know, what you kill, um, you know, you have to have a very tough mindset and, uh, and be very disciplined and, and work hard at it. And, um, you know, I've been blessed that I have taken a lot of those traits and been able to do it. I think the one thing that's maybe the most challenging when you come from being a professional athlete where everyone, you know, wants to get to know you and be part of that scene is 
that you have to have when you when you transition out is humility. Uh, I think that's maybe the hardest thing for a lot of guys to to have and embrace because you're basically starting. You know, I was 32, basically starting a job that a lot of other people typically would start at 21, 22, and you're behind the curve and you got to be humble and be willing to learn and start at the bottom or work your way up. And I think that's, you know, something that I was able to do, which was, you know, at times very difficult, but, you know, absolutely made the difference. And we'll close with this, and it's kind of a piggybacking, if you will, on that same thought. But even in today's NBA, with all of the money, and that's changed over the last 25 or 30 years since, since you played, but these guys, you have to have a schedule. You, you have to sate that competitive bug, even if you're, you know, you're set for life or your, your family's life and beyond. You still have to have something that you do, and you were able to find that. That's yeah. important, isn't it? I think so. I think so too. I mean, it's a great point. Look, you could, you could be worth, you know, just a hundred million dollars, but what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to sit around and play video games every day from age 30 on, you know, I mean, you want to do something that's worthwhile, that that's rewarding that, um, you know, you feel good about that you're achieving and, you know, possibly can help others at the same time. And, you know, if that's where you want to lean to and, you know, to me, we all should never stop educating ourselves and putting ourselves out there in different situations that aren't always comfortable. Um, that's how we grow. That's how we improve. Um, I think, uh, you know, today's player has, a, has an amazing opportunity because of the money they're making to really set themselves up and, and to maybe branch out even more um, versus maybe the guys even, at my, you know, my age group, which um, the money wasn't as good. You know, a lot of those guys had to transition into the workforce. But I think today, you know, you have the opportunity to make an impact because we're seeing the platform these these guys have through social media and stuff to make all types of changes, um, whether it's social, you know, justice or, um, you know, some something, you know, through charitable situations, um, or practical in your neighborhood, whatever. I mean, there's just the, the, the Options are limitless, Tom. I mean, that's that's the beauty. Well, we thank you so much, John. You've done an incredible career with your business, with your family, on TV, and uh, we, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom, for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of Tom's Talks. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing to the 76ers Podcast Network feed or giving us a follow wherever you get your pods. And if that happens to be on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a rating. I'm Tom McGinnis. Talk to you down the road. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. 
Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.